Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. I heard a person who uh, had a birthday party, uh, or birthday not long ago, and they were quoted to have said, I'm happy to receive anything as long as it is expensive. Now, I'm sure not many of us would object to receiving an expensive gift. I know some of us would might feel a bit uncomfortable, but, you know, it's still pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah. But are we as quick to give an expensive gift as to receive one? There was a man who had been away on a business trip, and as he arrived at the airport, he suddenly thought, I should have bought a present for my wife. I should have got her something. I've been away for a few weeks on this trip and, you know, I've gone to a whole lot of places. I should get her something. And so he walked up to a counter and he saw the shop assistant. He said, I'm looking for a gift for my wife. And the shop assistant said, well, how about some perfume? And immediately she showed him a bottle costing $150. That's a bit much, he said. And she returned with a smaller bottle worth $80. Ah, look, it's still quite a bit, he complained. So the shop assistant then brought a tiny bottle worth $30. You know, he said, what I mean is that I'd like something, I'd like to see something really cheap. With that, she held up a mirror and showed him his face. (laughs) See, sometimes we can be generous towards ourselves but cheap toward others it's especially can be true in our giving to god the story is told of an ambitious young man who told his pastor that he had promised god he would give 10 percent of his income no matter what 10 percent of that income to god so they prayed together for god to bless this young man's career At that time, he was making $400 a week, and so he was giving $40 to God. A few years later, this young man, his income, it increased significantly. And soon he was giving $300 a week to God in fulfillment of his promise. And the young man then called on the pastor to see if he could be released from his giving promise because it was costing him too much. And the pastor replied, I don't see how you can be released from your promise, but we can ask God to reduce your income back to $400 and you'd have no problem giving $40. So we can easily fall into the same trap as that young man. Because $100 looks huge when we put it into the offering, but it's so small when we try and go out for dinner or go shopping. Or we can look at what we have and think, I just don't have enough to pay all the bills and and do the things I want. Well, do you know what? Jesus' disciples, they did a similar thing when he told them to go and feed the 5,000 plus crowd. Their response was, we don't have enough. We've only have five loaves of bread and two small fish. They even, they emphasized that there was small. They weren't just fish, they were small. But you know what? Jesus, he then gave thanks to God, he broke it up, and then told them to give it to the people. 
At the end of it, he said to his disciples, now collect up all the leftover pieces. They collected up how many baskets were left over? Twelve baskets. Twelve baskets were full with the pieces that were left over. What Jesus showed them was that God had provided the resources for them. They just needed to use all that they had and trust God to provide the abundance. It's like the example in Scripture where Jesus was watching people in the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The recent study of Christians in America revealed that these Christians gave $4 billion a year to their churches. Sounds impressive? $4 billion. Well, compare that to the fact that the same study revealed that those same Christians spend $34 billion a year on diet and exercise. See, sometimes we can look generous toward God or other people until we compare it to what we spend on ourselves. It's been said that generous giving stems from the heart and reluctant giving stems from the mind. For example, we all have people who knock on our door and say, oh, can you please support for this? And yes, we can't support every charity. But we can make a decision of the heart and go, yeah, look, this is what I have, let me help you there. Or we can actually make a decision with our mind and justify why we can't give or how we've instead given in other ways and that that was sufficient. When our mind influences our giving, we will justify why we do give to some things and not to others, or why we don't give any more than what we do. We'll compare ourselves to others and believe that, well, look, you know what, I give more in other ways compared to them. Or we'll reduce the significance of our giving to God or assure him, well, he knows our circumstances and situations, and and I can't give any more than what I am giving. But Jesus warned, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus also said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in giving from our mind it will be actually reflected in our reluctance. Whereas giving from the heart, it can be reflected in our generosity, knowing that what we have, it's not our own, but it is from God. And it belongs to God, and that when we give it back to Him, we are actually giving honour and glory to Him, not to ourselves. We see this in the book of Acts, and all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. The same is true when we give to God. It's this free will offering to God, not given under compulsion or reluctantly. As 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, each of you should give whatever you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
You know, many years ago, I was in Melbourne at a Youth Alive conference, and it was at the, ten- at the um, basketball centre down there. And the person who was speaking that night, he had also been asked to do an offering sermon. <laughs> and he was there, and he'd been talking for about 15 minutes about the offering. And then he said, now, take out of your purse or your wallet what you're going to give and hold it up in front of you like this. And hang on. And then he said, now, if you feel embarrassed, put it back in your purse or wallet. It's not good enough. And I'm sitting there and the person who is next to me was a brand new Christian that I was discipling. And they looked at me and they said, Brad, what is this? What's going on? I don't understand. And I said, we're leaving. And we got up and we walked out. What's the key of that that part of that verse? It says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's not about, you know, bringing this, oh, you must give. No. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know that word cheerful? It comes from the Greek word from which we get our word hilarious, which literally means with laughter. Now, Paul, who wrote this, he's not saying that when we take up our tithes and our offerings, that we're not to be cracking jokes and you know, laughing and carrying on like that. No, that's not what he means. Instead, he's saying that we're to give to God with laughter that arises from realizing the true math of God's grace, that God has given us far more than we could ever give to him. That's what it means about being a cheerful giver. And why does God love a cheerful giver? Because through giving, we're expressing our complete trust in God. That although giving generously, we're trusting Him to continue to provide for all our needs. And we bless God, but also we bless others through our giving. We can all give, but there are some people who, I have to say, have an incredible generosity that they do have. They find giving easier than what others might do. And for some, it's because they actually have a spiritual gift in giving. We've all been given gifts through the Holy Spirit. But some have been given a gift of giving. Romans chapter 12, verse eight to, uh, 4 to 8 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then you prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then... Sorry, then... Give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And all of the spirit of all the spiritual gifts mentioned in Scripture... The gift of giving is actually one of the least understood. Why? Because few people claim to have it and even less say that they want it. The spiritual gift of giving is defined as the divine enablement to contribute resources and money to the work of the Lord with sincerity, liberality and good cheer. People who have this spiritual gift... They give generously as the Holy Spirit leads them. They give despite being a cost to themselves. They give because they actually are not thinking about the cost to themselves. They give because they're thinking about the work of God and and the need that's there. 
They're interested in meeting the tangible needs so that the spiritual growth might occur and at the same time influence the advancement of God's kingdom work. They know that their giving is part of the whole rather than being the whole. And they give without recognition to themselves, following Jesus' instruction to not announce it or let it be known what they're doing, but so that their giving is in secret, then their Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. They give willingly from the heart. They love to give and are sensitive to the ways in which they can give, both lovingly and sacrificially. You know, many years ago when I was growing up, in my late teen years, I was in a church in Melbourne, and it was in an affluent area. They had a, on the a weekly budget of $4,000, okay? So it is many years ago, all right? But we used to, on the back of the weekly newsletter, they'd always have weekly budget and then actual, and it revealed what the actual giving had been. And every single week, without fail, there was always a gap between the two. There was always less that had been given than what the actual budget was. Problem was... It would come to the quarterly church meetings. Every then, you know, back then it was quarterly church meetings. And the treasurer would stand up, present the report, and on the report it would show, yep, meeting budget, everything's fulfilled. Amazing, isn't it? And people would look at it and go, oh, I thought we were always under budget. That's what our newsletter shows. Oh, we're doing all right, though. No one would ask any of the questions. What it was was one bloke in the church to no one's knowledge, he would actually go up to the treasurer at the end of every month and he would say to the treasurer, how much we're short this month? And the treasurer would look at him and go, oh, it's this much. And he'd write out a check, hand it to the treasurer and then just walk away. I saw it once. But no one ever knew until he passed away. And the treasurer then stood up at that funeral and he said, none of you have known, but this is what this guy has done for years. He had this heart of being a generous giver. The people with the gift of giving will be the right person in the right place at the right time, releasing the finances and those material blessings. And some people might say, well, look, I know with all certainty I do not have a spiritual gift of giving. Therefore, I do not have to give. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not true. The gift of giving goes beyond the tithe that many people will restrict themselves to. And there are some people who think, well, look, I've given my 10%, that's enough. Well, I'm sorry, it's not. Imagine, think of it this way. Imagine if 80 of the world's billionaires gave just 10% of their net worth to the cause of world hunger. Then it is said that world hunger would be solved. They've given? Is that the end of it? No. Because guess what? Another famine will arise. It will come. Their giving is only a short-term solution. It's not one that is actually going to continue to help over a longer period of time. Jesus also said, we'll always have the poor with us. However, if giving is going to make a difference, it cannot be just a one-off. It needs to be this ongoing commitment. So, what if God limited his grace to us we all are familiar with john chapter 3 verse 16 for god so loved some of the world that he gave his one and only son is that it 
some of the world. No, he, for God so loved the world. But could you imagine if it was only some of the world? Are we part of that some because we're at least sitting here today in church? Imagine if God limited his grace. What would that really look like for us? I actually think that if we think about it in terms of God limiting and saying, well, it was only for some, then how are we also then restricting what we also give? I'll only give it for this, but I'm not for that. But God didn't. He said he gave his son for all the world, that all the world would know his son and be saved through him. And so as we have freely given, as we have freely received, that we are to freely give. Often we can fall into the trap, though, of going, God, I'm sorry, this is only what I've got spare. There you go, that's it. And then we complain that we still just don't have enough. And Scripture warns in 2 Corinthians that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If we are generous to God, then we'll always have enough. But if we are ripping God off, then we're always going to complain, I never have enough. That's the reality of that verse. We see this in the life of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, he started listing off the Ten Commandments. And the rich young ruler said, hey, all that I've done since I was a youth. And then Jesus said to him, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler went away happy and jumping for joy? No, he went away sad. Why? Because he realized that if he actually gave up his wealth then he was going to not have the things that he was enjoying in life. He was going to have to separate from the lifestyle that he had become to enjoy to instead living to be dependent fully upon God. So he had the religious lingo, he had all the words, he said, hey, I've obeyed those commands, but the problem was he wasn't fully giving himself to God because he was still holding on to his wealth. It was more important. And that was revealed when Jesus asked him to give it up. Although the rich young ruler had those religious educations, they were not enough for him to depend upon God. If he chose to sell all he possessed and give it to the poor, he would have to start depending on God, and that would mean giving up his status in the society, his popularity, and maybe even his security. Yet while wealthy, this rich young ruler... He would also find it difficult to sacrificially give because he would always be thinking, well, what's it really costing me? So it begs the question, is wealth standing in the way of us giving generously? Or is fear that we'll never have enough standing in our way? To give generously, it means to take hold of God's promises that he will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But also, out of Proverbs 3, it says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Notice the word first fruits. Well, it's not there. You can look at it in Scripture. All right? The word first fruits. It means that we're giving to God first, not we're paying all the bills and everything else, and then, well, God, you can have what's left over. When we give to God first, 
we'll always have enough. When we give to God last, there will never be enough. It's God's economy, not our economy. And through our giving, we acknowledge that we are giving to God. We're not giving to a church or church budget. It's not so that we can receive recognition or even our name on a plaque that we can put on a wall and say, well, this person gave this. Okay, I'm sorry, years ago, I walked into um, Crystal Cathedral in California. And then I walked in because I wanted to have a look. And as I walked in, I was immediately greeted by one of the attendants there. And they said, oh, where are you from? And I said, oh, Australia. And they immediately said, oh, that section up there, that, were, that was provided financially by Australians. They all paid for that. I was like, well, thanks. That's not why I was here. You know, it's sad. It's really, really sad. Because we can lose sight of what's actually real, most important. What we give, it's not ours. Everything Jesus said belongs to God. So we don't limit our giving, be it to 10%, but rather we delight to give beyond that, regardless of whether we have a gift of giving or, or not. We give knowing that God will bless what is, what is given and that it is to his glory. How many times have we heard people saying, oh, I need money, I need to do this and I haven't got the money. And we go, oh yeah, let, let me pray for you in that. Yeah? Tony Campolo, he was invited to speak at a ladies' meeting. And there were 300 women there. And before he spoke, the president of the organisation read a letter from a missionary. In the letter, the missionary expressed a need of $4,000 to take care of an emergency. So the president of the organisation said, we need to pray that God will provide the resources to meet the need of this missionary. Tony, will you pray for us? And Tony said, no. <laughs> Startled, she said, I beg your pardon? He said, no, I won't pray for that. I believe that God has already provided the resources and all that we need to do is give. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to step up to this table and I'll give every bit of cash I have in my pocket. And if all of you will do the same thing, I think God has already provided the resources. The president of the organisation chuckled a little bit and said, well, I guess I get the point. He's trying to teach us that we all need to give sacrificially. He said, no, that's not what I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you that God has already provided for this missionary. All we need to do is give. Here, I'm going to put all my money I have here on this table. And he put the money on the table he had in his pocket and then he looked at the president of the organisation. Reluctantly, she opened her purse and took out her money and put it on the table. And one by one, the rest of the ladies filed past and put their money on the table. When the money was counted, they had collected more than $4,000. Tony then said, now here's the lesson. God always supplies for our needs and he supplied for this missionary too. The only problem was we were keeping it for ourselves. How often does God miss out because of our lack of giving? There's actually a boy by the name of Billy who was given two $2 coins. One was to put into the, the Sunday school offering. The other, he was allowed to spend on an ice cream on his way home. So as he was walking towards church, he was flicking the $2 coin up and down and catching it, catching it. And on about the eighth occasion, he suddenly it slipped through his fingers and down... And before he could grab it, it went down the drain. 
And he looked at it and paused. And then he looked up and went, sorry, God, that was your two dollars. How many of us are looking skyward and saying, sorry, God? Ultimately, what we're saying is, well, I need the money more than you do. Or I don't trust you, God, to fully provide for all my needs. There's some people who do not give because they worry that they will not have enough for the rest of the week. But Scripture actually warns us to not give the devil a foothold. And unfortunately, at times, we allow him a foothold when it comes to finances because we worry that we will not have enough and the consequences, if I do give, then I won't have enough for what else I need to get rather than trusting God to provide. If we are going to overcome, then it comes through us giving cheerfully, through us immersing ourselves in God, in His Word, in prayer, and leading, being led by the Holy Spirit, rather than justifying it through our mind. It's remembering that our reward is in heaven, and we're investing in the kingdom of God, with all that God has given us. When it comes to giving, simple solutions. We can choose not to give. We can give out of compulsion or guilt. We can give and put conditions on it. Well, I will only if it goes to this or to that. Or we can give generously. Our level of giving will always flow from how much we see God has graciously given us rather than what it is of us giving back to him. Let us pray. Now, Father, I do thank you that you are the one who gives abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine. Now, Father, you are the one who provides and you call us to trust you. And Father, that example before of the disciples and the five loaves and two fish is evidence that you can provide out of the smallest amount to feed the multitudes. Father, some of us may be here this morning and just feeling that, yeah, sorry God, I know I've been withholding. For others, I feel the word has been, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, I ask that you would just do that continued work in us. It's not relying on ourselves, but rather it's relying on you, knowing that it is you, our God, we are serving. Father, we do rejoice and thank you for all your provisions. And yes, Lord, we give financially, but also we give in other ways as well. That people would know and see your love in and through our lives and that they would come to salvation in Christ Jesus. Father, I ask that you would help us to be generous givers, flowing from the heart and not even thinking, what's the cost? Rather than from the mind and justifying what we can or cannot give. 
But when Jesus, you died on the cross, you, all, you gave fully of yourself. And you ask us to do the same. Take up our cross and follow you. And so I ask that you would just do that deeper work in each one of us. What are we holding on to that we need to let go? What are we holding back that needs to be set free? To give our lives fully to you. Father, we do thank you for your amazing love poured out in abundance for us. As John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Thank you, Lord God, that you have given. And I just pray your blessing over each one. Lord, that as we go into this week, that as you provide opportunities for us to be able to give, to be able to meet the needs of others, to be able to bless, and in doing so, glorify your name. That you, Lord God, would just go before us. And we thank you and praise you, Father God for your abundance and that when we meet together we'll be able to hear stories of saying oh look god just provided abundantly here and it met these needs father we give you the glory and the praise in jesus name amen